Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual. Talking with Shadows, the conversations everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Marcus D. And I, I, I know normally you guys are used to Vic being the one introducing you guys to the show, so I stumbled a little bit there going through our intro, but Vic is actually out right now, guys. He's been down, and it's been kind of difficult to exactly see what he's got going. It could be COVID, it might be pneumonia. He refuses to go to the doctor. He's not here, so I can rag on him for that. So it's kind of unusual, exactly. We don't really know what he's got going on. But joining me in the studio today, uh, joining me is a familiar guy. You guys might remember him before. He's been on the episodes before. Joining me is our good friend from the Whiskey Conspiracies, Frank Hessian. How are you doing, Frank? Doing wonderful, man. Glad to be here. You guys might remember uh, Frank from when we did our episode on... The Rougarou. Mm. And you joined us actually on an episode of uh, the podcast, didn't you? Didn't we do? We did one. What were you, what was that topic that where you came on for that? What did, what did we do? Mm. I uh, I can't remember. Oh, I know that you've been on. You've been on. You. I know that you've been on the, the po- it's been a little bit since you've been on the podcast before. Yes. I know that, yeah, but I'm. The one that most people typically remember you from is the Rue Guru episode. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a really cool episode that we did together where we talked yeah. about like the, the werewolf stories down in Louisiana, which was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. I thought. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it was great. Um, even I got a little bit out of that one that uh, uh, just a little bit of a, a thrill because. Uh, I'll be honest. I've never heard of a wear owl in my life until we actually did the research for that one. And I was oh, all man. like, good, good God. <laughs> when you get into like all the stuff around like lycanthropy, you find there's so many different types of wear creatures like from all over the world. Oh, man. Now I remember what it was. Nicholas Flamel. When we were doing oh, uh, yeah. stuff, yeah, on immortality. Immortality. Like that. Yes, you joined me. We talked about Nicholas Flamel. I knew that I was going to remember um, the episode, yeah. But don't worry, guys. Vic will—he'll uh, be back probably. I would say probably by the next episode. He's—I think he's bouncing. He's bouncing back. He's on the recovery. But we wanted to get an episode out for you guys today. It's been a long time since we put something out, um, and it's a whole new month. You know what's funny though is I—is I, Vic was unable to be on the podcast last time when I posted what the theme of the month was going to be, and I did strange disappearances. Because that, that's something he's just wanted to do for a while, and I fought him to. I kind of fought him a little bit about it because I thought there was other stuff we could we could do, and then I'm like, no, I'm gonna put up strange disappearances. <laughs> that's what the Patriots voted for, and he's like down with a respiratory issue for our first episode. Uh, but that's okay. But I, he's gonna be back, and there's we we're probably gonna get into some deep stuff. What I want us to do is missing four one one. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, we've been oh, yeah. That. Yes. Me and Vic have been doing that for a while, so I'm hoping that's one of the topics that we can do, but it is a large, large endeavor to do. But yeah, but this one, guys, we're talking on all things strange disappearances. If you missed our episode last time, 
we wrapped up the month talking about like strange earth theories. We did flat earth, hollow earth, and the simulation hypothesis. Um, so if you haven't checked out our last episode on the simulation hypothesis, uh, I highly recommend you, you go watch it. It's awesome. We get to talk about all cool stuff of are we living in a digital simulation? Are we living in the matrix? And it was cool. Let's let's go over some comments. Uh, wait, Frank, did you check that episode out? I forgot to ask you that. Oh friend. yeah, I, I I always I always breeze them over. I just don't always lay down a comment. But uh, yeah, no, that good. that was fantastic. Yeah, um, uh, I knew that was one of the ones that I really wanted to. Do, so I was super excited. Uh, first name, last name said small world, huh? I'm friends with a member of the Church of the Dude as well. Have uh, you missed on that episode? I said that I'm actually ordained uh, in the Church of the Latter Day Dude. Uh, I have actually done a ceremony, a wedding ceremony. My sister uh, wanted to get married. She wanted me to officiate, and that was the church that I went through to get ordained for that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the libertarian guitarist uh, <laughs> said, uh, very intriguing topic. And fun fact, he actually is putting out a book. Uh, if you guys remember him, the libertarian guitarist, he did the one. He did the episode with me uh, where we did, uh, why did I, Bob Lazar. And he was on there with me talking about that. And uh, he's about to put out a whole book on libertarian philosophy, which is pretty awesome. I just actually pre-ordered a book. I didn't so, know you could do that. I got to yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put out a pre-order for it. Hmm? So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. Guy Prieto said, hey, guys, first off, I ultimately agree with Vic. If reality is essentially perception, thought, and consciousness, then a simulation doesn't matter because broken down by science and math, life is basically created to be a sim. Created with data made by physical building blocks in DNA. So whether I'm the head in the jar being stimulated or myself, both realities exist, both matter. Quotes. I thought a lot about this as a kid, and the part I disagree with Vic on is on is if is horrifying because I came to the conclusion that it's not that if what I did mattered or if my will was free, what really scared me was if you are the player. And this was constructed by your subconscious or developed for you mind, then a lot of the problems in the world would be within you. Ooh. Um, the rape, jealousy, greed, lust, anger, murder, war, the addictions people deal with would essentially be constructed for you by you and others who you created really had to deal with these issues. I imagine this is essentially what a God must feel. But uh, uh, as I said, I ultimately just came to the conclusion that whatever reality you live in is real, whether you are the player or the NPC, that you are given free will to exist and make choices that give reason to exist. Hopefully I didn't bring the comment section down too much, but love the show. Yeah, man, I didn't even think that we got into that uh, in the episode where, you know, if you're in the simulation, could you be the one that's creating the reality around you? Well, um, you guys kind of hinted on it a little bit because, well, I mean, you talked about the matrix con- uh, concept as far as that goes, but then, um, um, I mean, I'm trying to remember, I think it was, uh, the references to Descartes mm-hmm. and just how much, uh, how much he just really does not like Descartes. And I was like, that's a damn shame. Cause I really love Descartes, <laughs> but, uh, um, they complained a lot about that that, we, he, that he was going to like think about his philosophy. Yeah, and and I will say like the idea of if it's in your head, then you constructed it. Well, not necessarily because if stimulation is being executed to the brain and therefore altering the perception, then maybe you're not the one that's making those choices, but maybe those choices are being planted. Um, I think the biggest toss up with that whole concept is that of free will. 
Um, because why would you live and choose to live in a world like this and not like the, you know, what is that, that, that idea of like Valhalla or like the 72 virgins or anything. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't want 72 virgins, but I mean like so all these ideas of the afterlife and everything, this, this paradise idea, why wouldn't you just dream that? Well, here's the thing. And I, and I, and they get into this, I think in the movie, the matrix, cause they talk about that because they said, well, we tried to do a paradise mm-hmm. and it crashed and nothing worked. And I, I bring this concept. I'm not trying to get philosophical. Oh my God. But I, I bring this up all the time when, People try to talk to me of why do bad, why does, if there are gods, why do bad things exist? And what I said was, well, I think some of that is our perception of what, what is bad based on kind of what our reality is now. So I said, if God put us in a situation where we were in a paradise, we would probably see every day without a rainbow as a horror, you know, that it's, that it's, if we, if we can't perceive what some of these bad things are, then would, would that just be what happened is if we don't have a rainbow would our would that just be the eldritch horror of the the situation like would that be the the bad thing you know <laughs> i can see that definitely being a thing yeah. for for some people yeah absolutely but this idea that we create our own these some of these own ores i mean i ran into that thought whenever we were talking about uh tulpas and etrigors because i don't know if i brought it up on the episode because that's a thought that you start getting with those which are these you know if you can concentrate and will a being to existence is that what some of these paranormal entities are like things that we have thought into the universe and it takes you down a scary dark rabbit hole oh yeah you know yeah um creepy california if we uh super fan patron if we are in a simulation maybe the paranormal aren't just glitches but the observers coming in to check on us. Also, here's my two cents for drinking in a jacuzzi. Rent a cabin in the winter with a hot tub and have a mold mead. It'll be the best experience. Uh, I like that recommendation, by the way, about the mold mead. I think that's that sounds awesome. Kind of kind of odd, given that right here over in the corner, I got some mead going right now. No, I, I think that's you know, I, I think that there's. And I, th- you know, I, I think that there's some, there's some definitely coolness with that of thinking about like, are the glitches just observers coming to check on us? Like, are shadow people just the, the people coming into the matrix to watch us and see us? Like, as they're observing us, and that's what we're perceiving them as? Or, you know, we've seen mannequin people. We've talked about that as well. Um, are we just seeing the or the watchers or things like that? Like, that's that's what's going on. Absolutely, I think that could be a thing. Oh, definitely. And I mean, it would make sense that, um, well, like anybody who's ever played with a small animal, sometimes you're just a bit of a jerk. Sometimes, you know, you kind of keep them like in a small space and tease them and taunt them. Mm, I think sometimes the ghosts, that's yeah. exactly what's going on there is they're just kind of like, ah, I gotta get you. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> so yeah. I can see that being a thing. Yeah. Laughing Fox patron said, uh, I remember it as the Burns, the Bear and Steam Bears. I remember the Mandala getting elected. I remember the Alamo. I remember the difference between a natural and a Mount twenty. Uh, that's awesome. The I'm natural four chain is where the devil makes potty. Because we were talking in the episode about uh, is the Mandala effect like the way people remember things differently? Is that evidence that we're in a simulation because things are changing? Like, do can we remember these changes? And some people do, mm-hmm. and some people don't. Um, but in all seriousness, this topic has always bugged me since I was first made aware of it, though not for the reasons you might assume. It's not because of some Lovecraftian horror of being insignificant playthings of beings beyond my comprehension. 
It's not because a simulated life is without meaning. It's because I might never escape it and see the real world. It's because most everyone I talk to about it is so deathly afraid of those things uh, that they let this notion, if only for a time, rob their life of joy and wonder. The lack of prescribed meaning to their lives fills them with dread and hopelessness. I feel the opposite. If life has no grand meaning, then we are all free in the truest sense of the world, uh, in the truest sense of the word. In fact, this is, in my mind, the only way we can be free. Because if no one and nothing sits on a high dictating the course of our life and it's utterly meaning, then and only then are we free to decide that for ourselves. That, of course, is our alone to chart and sail as we see fit. I don't find horror in this. I find elation. If I have no purpose to fulfill, then I could spend my life in search of knowledge and experience because I have no post unmanned. I, I leave no post unmanned about my absence. If I am insignificant, then my mistakes are of no consequence and I have no reason to bother me. If I will be forgotten, then what reason do I have to feel shame for how I choose my life? Man, your fans are deep thinkers. Oh yeah, we have the best fans. I mean, we say that we really we do. say that all the time. Nobody's fan. If you want to come to a to a podcast where we talk about the deep stuff in the paranormal, not the just the surface stuff, man. It's not just the scary stories. It's not just the cool lore. That it's it's some deep thought of how do we relate with the paranormal like this this is the podcast for you and i and i think that i don't know man there's i think there's two ways in which you can look at that i think that you can look at what laughing fox said and you know if you have no meaning then you can go out and find that meaning i think that's a good way of uh, you know thinking of the void that you know if you have no purpose if you're just in a simulation then it's the fun of you get to go out in the simulation and it takes off that that the attention of trying to of, of knowing whatever that that a whole role that you've been assigned to so i think mm -hmm. that's a great way i think that's a great way of looking at it you know no i agree i i think that that's uh um it takes away a lot of the anxiety you know how can you be doing it wrong if there's no correct way to do it mm -hmm. you know so that right there just kind of frees your hands of the whole idea of like oh i've i've messed up Oh, I didn't do it right. Oh, I didn't take the right path. And it's like, there is no path. Just enjoy the experience. Uh, yeah. But I also think, too, when you think about life in a simulate, like whether or not if reality is a simulation, whether or not if you can escape the simulation definitely impacts your opinion on the simulation. You know, and then getting out to see kind of what the reality is above that. You know, so I, I think that that, uh, man, I, I I think that I think that's a, and what's weird, man. I was I was listening to, and I, we're gonna get into our actual episode here in a second. But I was I was listening to an SCP. If you guys don't know what that is, it's this cool like horror fan fiction like um, like writing project that's awesome. And one of the horrors in it was this character that is always trying to that that is in a reality, but it's always like a simulation in a reality, and he's always trying to get to the next level above that. So it's like he gets out of the Sims into our world. But then our world's the simulation, and then he's trying to get into the one above that. But maybe that's just the simulation, and he's constantly trying to get to the to the highest point. But when you think about like how we could just be in an infinite simulation loop, that he just goes crazy because of it. It's it's a terrifying concept of how far we may not be in a simulation, but how are we in a simulation within a simulation in a simulation? And it just gets scary. Well, 
I think what's really nuts about that perception, it's kind of like the idea of like uh, transcending spiritually, like Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Um, except imagine that with like Quantum Leap. Like every single time you realize it's a simulation, you're like, boom, immediately shot into the next one <laughs> until you realize that it's a simulation and then boom, shot into the next one. <laughs> Man, I am ready for some alcohol because I have not, I've been waiting for a minute. So today, guys, I am drinking, and I, I it's called Flirty Bird. Uh, I, you know what's weird is I found I was going to try to find alcohol for the episode, and I looked in the in the fridge, and I saw this bottle of wine, and I don't know where it came from, and my wife has no idea where it came from. It is this mysterious wine that just showed up in our, just in our fridge. So I'm like, I'm gonna drink that for the episode. That, yeah, that sounds that sounds uh, interesting at the very least. All right, uh, what do you got? Um, well, I haven't opened this yet. Uh, I just unwrapped the, the, the bit around the cork here to, before I popped it. Uh, but it's a, a bourbon, because uh, after all, whiskey, of course, got to keep with my whiskey. Um, but it's a Kennard and Drake. It's from Lebanon, Indiana, made by the County da- Jail uh, Distillery. So I figured I would try some of this and uh, see where it brings me. That's awesome. Oh. All right. All right, I'm gonna try this here. Mm. Oh, that's Woo! that is drier than a mummy's butthole. Oh man, <laughs> that is that's, that's dry. That's that's a that's a good turn of phrase there. <laughs> oh man, that is not a that is not a wine that I bought. Ooh, I, I prefer sweet wines myself. Mm. Oh, okay. All right, I think we've been ranting long enough. Let's get into our episode, man. Sure. Uh, I'm in the driver's seat for this. So, guys, we're talking this whole month long about strange disappearances. And I thought one of the coolest things we could talk about first would be something that I that I know for a while called the Dragon's Triangle. And a lot of people are very familiar with the Vimuna Triangle. I mean, I think that's pretty popular in the zeitgeist, right? That's pretty popular out there. Most people, you know, know that there's a Vimuna Triangle. Uh, you know, but there are so many other triangles out there where people disappear. You know, if you listen to our some of our case files, me and Vic a long time ago did one on the Michigan Triangle. Yep, that's that's one. There's yeah. an Alaskan Triangle. There's um, well, there's a lot of triangles, like you said. It's it, and it's and it's really wild because why are they always triangles? Uh, yeah, why why is the triangle the most dangerous shape? <laughs> that seems to be I mean, it just seems to be out there. I, I, isn't that I, the I representation think, for Delta is a triangle? Like the, like the Delta variant for COVID? No, no. Well well sort of, yeah. But I mean like like you know, like alpha, beta, theta, right. delta. I think triangle is a represent I think that's right. I don't know. But well, maybe have, well, to be fair, I think it has a lot to do with like um like triangle like triangulating location. Usually it takes three points for people to be able to do that. I think that's a big reason about why they're always triangles. Mm, but yeah, uh, if you needed four, you would even need a fourth location to keep it contained in. And, <laughs> yeah, I. And one of the cool things that I that I that I that I discovered was like, even within the United States, like we talked about the Michigan Triangle, every single large body of water seems to have one of these like weird locations. Like every one of the Great Lakes has a triangle. There's a Huron Triangle. 
there's the Michigan triangle, like all of the superior triangle, like all there, there is a triangle within all of these where there are reports of planes and ships disappearing. And I thought we could focus on the dragon triangle, um, mostly because it sounds cool. <laughs> That's why I picked that. Because if you look at a lot of the triangle names, um, this is this one just sounds cool. You know, why do they call it the dragon triangle? Because it sounds scary. No, actually, there's there's another reason actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was that was my assumption first. Spooky, spooky. Like, why do they call it the dragon triangle? I'm like, I'm like, because everybody would go to it if they called it the ice cream triangle. That's right. <laughs> you know, if you're trying to keep people away from it, you're going to give it some sort of a scary name, like the Devil's Triangle. Yeah. Don't go there, Triangle. Yeah, not the Daffodil Sunshine Hill Triangle. That's going to be weird. <laughs> Or the free money triangle. I mean, unless you're trying to like legit, like trying to like get people to go there because you're trying to kidnap them, you know, like you know, a great national park. But that's we're we're not getting into that. I'm not gonna, you know, no, 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 no. this is why we're trying to keep uh people away. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask you, uh so I'm gonna ask you, man, like how, how familiar were you with the dragon's triangle prior to, to us picking this for the topic? Oh, I definitely knew of it. Um and um, previously coming into this, like I knew that it was uh, opposite in uh, location on the globe yep. to the Bermuda Triangle. Um, I knew that people were like, oh, it's it's like it's the exact same, but it's on the other side of the planet. And um, and I knew that it had been around for a while as far as like the, the mythos of it. But uh, I didn't realize like how much controversy there is on it. Like I didn't mm -hmm. realize how much variance there is in a lot of the legend and, and the lore yeah. and even some of the occurrences, like people will say something and be like, this happened. And then somebody else will come right behind them and be like, no, it no, didn't. It That's happened. wrong. <laughs> no, yeah. One of the weird things about that I found about the dragon triangle is compared to like the Bermuda triangle. The Bermuda triangle is pretty much like a set location. Like you, you have like set coordinates where it is. With the Dragon Triangle, a lot of people even argue about where specifically it starts and ends mm -hmm. of where it is. Yep. Like, just for, like, geographic location, like, it's, like, two of the big points are actually, like, within the tip the tip of Tokyo, like, the, the base of Tokyo, or, sorry, the base of Japan, and yeah. south of Tokyo, the Izu Islands, and then a point out in the middle of the ocean typically is what's agreed upon best about the location of where the Dragon's Triangle actually is. Yeah, um, I mean, like, I saw ones where the triangle looked more like an isosceles triangle, mm -hmm. and then I saw one where it was like a, you know, like the, the, um, j just like the triangle didn't actually look like any traditional triangle, but it was just this, like, kind of like a misshapen pizza slice, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like one where you just feel kind of like you got, got stolen on it, I guess, but but what I really loved about like looking at that though, is it kind of changes some of the theory. And I mean, like I did while researching this, I did see some theories that people said that they believe the Bermuda Triangle is actually moving east. And really? I was like, yeah, they think it's moving, yeah. And and I and I I don't know what that means exactly. Um, um, it brought me to some theories, uh, but um, but it's interesting because like. To have a triangle that, like you said, it's not really agreed on where it's where its actual mapping is. So, mm -hmm. why does it shift? 
like like what's going on there and so then it brings into like the idea of like you know well is there something that that's just its area so it's kind of like a generalized idea of where things happen right or is it something different something right. deeper right well a lot of for years different cultures have been talking about where these different triangles are and like and where they exist and you know, every culture kind of has like this weird foreboding sense of like any any seafaring culture is generally going to have particular areas out there in the waters that they typically regard as dangerous locations, right? And so there's reasons behind that. It could just be myth. It could be just some sort of natural uh, phenomenon that makes it dangerous, you know, that something caused that area to, you know, to be just a reason why you don't go out there. And this guy that really started getting the community talking about these, you know, locations and group was a guy by the name of Ivan Sanderson. And, you know, he's a guy that's in like the 1940s really started talking about these anomalous regions. And he, one of the things that he actually found about in a, in a book that he, that he put out was he identified like 12 different locations around the world within these seas that he identified and he, and he gives them the best names that I've ever that I've ever heard vile vortices. Yeah. Which yeah. sounds like a really creepy, like DC villain. <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it sounds like the Legion of doom. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds like some sort it sounds like some sort of like DC villain that like teleports stuff away and where it goes. And he, 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 he puts this out kind of about like, early, I would say like the early 19, like the late 1960s. When he, when he really starts talking about this, one of the things that he found was he found that there were certain locations, the locations that that for at least 12 uh, vile vortices ended up was areas in which warm warm currents and cold currents uh, in the seas met. And yeah. what he claimed was he thinks that the, this that where they, they found that that's where they meet each other. And he thinks that what is there is some sort of strange electromagnetic anomaly that we don't fully understand and that that in some way shape or form causes problems whether it affects the weather whether it affects just navigational instruments and things like that or does it cause some sort of other natural phenomenon that causes a lot of these things to sink you know and i'm wondering then if there if he is onto something that there is some sort of natural phenomenon that's causing that you know as you know we've been talking about climate climate change is a thing as as a thing if climate really is changing would that affect where these triangles are? Well, if it was that the temperature fluctuations actually change where the electromagnetic fields are, then yes. My thought is, why isn't it the other way around? Mm -hmm. Why isn't it that these electromagnetic hubs are the reason we see a difference break between hot and cold? Or puts up a barrier where it emits such energy that it kind of pushes back wind or, you know, gusts and makes different air currents go different directions. Um, it was just weird. Like, granted, I, I, I'm not I'm not an expert on magnets or anything. I kind of subscribe to that whole uh, Insane Clown Posse song on there. You know, how, how do magnets work? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Miracles. Um, but, I don't know how magnets work. I just know that I don't want my phone next to one. Next to one, yeah. <laughs> but what I did think was kind of wild is when I was looking at the vile vortices, um, 
people have actually said that um like the the magnetic north it's been shifting it's been moving from alaska and more towards siberia it's been actually like like the magnetic shifts have actually been changing and so like if they believe that the Bermuda triangle shifting we've always kind of like from since the history of the dragon triangle since since it was first ever talked about we've known that that one kind of shifts quite a bit as far as like where the actual location is but then some of them were actually really weird. Like, like I mean, like, yeah, like, we got polar north, polar south. But then, um, like, one's, like, smack in the Sahara Desert. Yep. And I was just like, okay, so how does that work with the fluctuations of hot and cold? You know, like, with that area. Unless, of course, um, they're saying, you know, that it dates back all the way back to whenever that used to be a luscious green thing. You know, so so I, anyway, it, it the the vile vortices uh, that dude got a lot of of crap from people o- yes, over that theory. I mean, that yes, that, he, he, did. <laughs> that was wild. But the weird uh, thing is, he's not. But, but but the weird thing was was he's not. I mean, I think he's responding to like a particular real thing about seafaring cultures because a lot of the mm-hmm. a lot of places where he puts these have legends of bizarre weather patterns and ships disappearing like with the dragon triangle like for as long as like the japanese people have had had like been a seafaring culture where boats have been out there people have been reporting about the dragon triangle of it being a place where strange storms will manifest like at like the drop of a hat like it'll just be clear skies blue waters and the next thing you know boom you know you're in the friggin 2012 movie <laughs> where you know there's the a giant, random rogue wave over the, the knocks over the boat, which is a real thing that they talked about. Was they would yeah. just be running, and then all of a sudden, whoosh! Was these huge rogue waves would just envelop and just eat uh, these boats, or they would just disappear. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's still like that to this day in some parts of 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 the area. Um, they actually have like, I, if I remember correctly, it was like these weird flood prevention, like pieces that were next to buildings and it would literally like be like a, a a hydraulic hinge piece that will like lay like be pushed up and against the building to support it and prevent flood water from coming in so it's such a problem that the civilization has kind of had to learn to live around it they've had had to come up with ways to to exist there yeah i think one of my favorite parts about the dragon triangle itself was the like ancient the Japanese people when they were talking about trying to claim what what was causing it, like what was in the Dragon Triangle, like why is it called the Dragon Triangle itself? Like why like why did they call it that? Or the, the yeah. issue was that a lot of the people at the time believed that there was an ancient sea dragon that lived under water. Oh lived yeah, under the water that would eat ships and consume them to to, to sate his appetite. Well, and. I mean, you look at their culture, and of course, like dragons aren't always considered evil, but it was kind of no. like, uh, you know, oh, he's not malevolent, but don't be a dummy, don't, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. don't, don't, know, don't like, go you know. out there, you know, don't go fishing out there, you don't want to be out there because that's where the dragon lives, that's his home. Don't yeah, go to like, his home. You, yeah, would you want somebody coming up to your house? Yeah, <laughs> and waking you up while you're sleeping. And like, and I mean. Like when you look at like a lot of the things, I mean, honestly, the the dragon mythos immediately brings in a lot of different stuff, and I mean, I feel like that really kind of ties into a lot of the scientific explanations that they try to give for the area. 
I mean, like, like, I mean, like they say, oh, well, the dragon's underwater. And we know this because we can see him breathing fire under the water. We can mm-hmm. see this. And then, like, you know, you talk to modern scientists and then they're all like, oh, they don't know anything. Those are underwater volcanoes. And it was like, okay. I mean, yeah, like, they didn't like, know them at the time. They didn't know that at the time. But at the same, but on that same thing, like, like you look at like some of their justifications for some of the ships that go missing out there. And they'll be all like, oh, yeah, it was an underwater volcano that erupted. That's why one of the ships disappeared. And it's like, how do you know that? I mean, we're guessing. Okay. Well, I mean, like, can you walk us through it? Did you find the ship amongst lava or something like that? No, no, we just we just found the ship. Well, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, or, or, okay. or, or they didn't. Do you know one of the, my favorite stories about the Dragon Triangle comes from actually comes from World War II? There was a a, a Japanese pilot uh the named Tosh uh Toshikai Lang. I want to say I said that right. Yeah. Uh it was a story from, from this Japanese pilot from 1944 that he said that whenever there was an aerial battle that was going on over the Dragon's Triangle. And he said that while he was while they were they're fighting above the Dragon's Triangle that he saw this strange shadow moving under the water that had two large triangular wings. Mm-hmm. That was pushing it through the water mm-hmm. that he thought was like, but you know, maybe they could be wings, maybe they could be fins, they could be legs, you don't know. But like he just described them as these like you know, wing like these things that come that comes off of his body, propelling it through the water. Yeah. You Kept know? that story to his death, man. I mean, yeah, he yeah, he yeah, didn't yeah. change it. Like, and like he, I, Yeah, and he, he he's like this thing was had to have been like 150 feet long. Right. And that you know, and, and obviously, again, it's not like you can get a real great look at it because you're in a plane <laughs> buzzing around and being shot at, you know, in an airplane. So I imagine that, you know, he didn't have a satellite. Like, everybody's like, well, they're more like trying to get more details out of this. And the dude's like, well, you know, I was in a plane being shot at. So it's not like I can really take a look at it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I like, excuse I me. I have opportunities for a second pass. <laughs> right. And, and I do think that that kind of says a lot, though, is that. Had he not been like, I don't know, staying true to that story all the way to his grave, yeah, it's one of those things. It didn't exactly earn him a whole lot of fame, you know. It's no, not no, like no, it actually it made him. Yeah, it's it didn't 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 exactly look good on him, but he kept it all the way to the end. And and I think that that's that kind of says a lot because why would you unless it's true or unless it's what you actually did see? And I mean, could it be that it's not a dragon? Or not, not some sort of monster? Could it be that it was maybe some sort of technology or something? He just kind of caught a glimpse of it, maybe. I mean, it could be a lot of things, but yeah. my, my favorite story out there, man, is the uh, is the uh, native Japanese boat with the uh, uh, lady driving it that uh, ha- with the incense boat. Yes, okay. yeah. I yeah, love yeah, that yeah, story. Yeah. Like, like, you're reading about it, and it's just like this people, like local fishermen and stuff, they're out there in that area. And if you read about the, the the surroundings, like one of the key things about the the Dragon's Triangle is that the temperature fluctuations. So like you know, right. like you you have these hot bursts, you know, coming from the seabed because of the volcanoes, but also land masses will just appear out of nowhere and then they'll crumble and fall down later on. So like you're in this like weird, misty, kind of maybe hot thing. You're looking around for like weird, like little islands that might have popped up out of nowhere. And you then you see a boat 
that looks like an old traditional Japanese boat that was meant for burning incense on and a woman's navigating it. But when you try to get close to her, she actually detours the boat away. And I'm like, that's creepy, man. Like, like, like that's some spooky spiritual right. stuff because what's she out there doing, man? Probably trying to appease the dragon gods and keep from killing everybody, you well, know, no, like burning that incense and keeping everything calm. Well, with well, that story, they said that they they couldn't even. The, the weird part about that, that story was there was there wasn't a whole lot more to that story, other than they said that she looked foreign and that she didn't speak Japanese. And there's this weird. There's another theory that's out there that what if aliens could be behind what's going on? What's going on under the water? Because she's foreign looking. She doesn't necessarily speak their language. Because there's a lot of strange like. You know, USO like underwater, like strange underwater objects that are reported to be seeing under there because mm -hmm. a lot of people in the area for the Dragon Triangle report seeing these strange lights, strange shadows moving under the water. Did you yeah. hear about the Russian, the Russian boats, uh, the the Russian boat story? The big blue, like, yeah, like yeah, 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 thing yeah. that just jumps out of the water. Yeah, like, yeah, like August, yeah, August 18th, 1980, the Soviet vessel Vladimir Volibarov returned to Russia, uh, from doing like, surveillance and experiments out there in that area they were they were out there in the area professor planetov uh that was on the boat stated that while he was on watch on the boat that a circular vessel comes up out of the water flies around the boat for several minutes and is bathed in this blue light yeah and it blue light and they went back into the water yeah and people started to kind of like say oh well maybe he's just exaggerating his story or maybe he's just doing this maybe, maybe something got dislodged from the seabed and floated up top or something and it's like i don't see how you go from like a thing popped up out of the water we didn't exactly know what it was versus glowing blue light and and circular shaped you know it's like i i, I really do think that um i don't know if you uh studied much about the um the idea of like the it's just off the coast of Japan that there was like a section there where they found like chiseled, like, like kind of pyramidal structures under yeah, the water. Yeah, like the Atlantis of Japan. Yeah. We, yeah. It was one of our early, it was one of our early episodes. We did something like that. Oh yeah. They found like this weird ancient civilization. They believe they found this weird, like ancient civilization, like mm -hmm. underwater. Yeah. Doing some pretty advanced technological stuff, but you know, for the time. Yeah. So to me, it's like, you got like a lone boat lady out there pedaling around. She doesn't look like she's exactly from there, but she's out there burning incense. I kind of wonder, it's like, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe they got some sort of, uh, you know, Atlantis, you know, thing going on out there or something. Maybe I feel like, I feel like we're talking about the whole storyline from like the animated Disney Atlantis movie. <laughs> there's this, there's yeah. this culture of people underwater with this strange leviathan thing sinking yeah. ships, and they gotta appease these weird, strange gods or whatever. <laughs> they just have like, and they just, and they're just sinking uh, foreign vessels that are in that are in that are in the area. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess if that's true, then then I guess Michael J. Fox needs to come and tell us all the answers and help us establish <laughs> communication so we can get past it all. <laughs> Oh man, and but, you know, and and we laugh, man, but it's so true. Like when you when you think about like how little we know about the ocean itself, and how, uh, like how much left that there is to explore. We know more about space than we do than we know about like the sea yeah. floor. And 
when you're talking specifically about the dragon's triangle, like Japanese marine biologists have like mapped a lot as much as they can of the area, and they talk about cracks in the earth and crevices that go down to about 37,000 feet. Now, if you want to put that into perspective for how big that is, that's about um, a mile deeper than Mount Everest. Yeah. So, and... yeah. So if you want to talk about could there be some sort of underwater advanced civilization, could there be some sort of underwater Leviathan thing underwater? Yeah. Yeah, it could fit. And yeah, I mean, I what we know of aquatic life, there are certain species of life that live so down deep, they're accustomed to the pressure down there. And whenever you actually bring them up mm -hmm. to the surface, they disform. Like, they don't look right. Yeah, they can't handle it. No. And, and so, like, whenever you think about something that people are like, oh, well, we, you know, if something was that big, we would know it. We you know we we would have seen it. We would have seen pictures or something like that. Well, maybe no. No. maybe there's this species is so like fragile it can't come up, or well, those that have didn't live very long and sank well, back down. Yeah. Well, you know, and Vic's not here, so I, I always love, oh, you know I'm gonna drop the story because I'm I'm 100 positive that he would himself. Uh, we've talked numerous times on the on the podcast on the channel about plesiosaurs. Big Loch Ness monster. If this is the mm -hmm. first time here, that's that start. Like the idea of a of a Loch Ness monster as thing with like a long neck, like these like uh, fin like arms that come out from the front and to the back. Like let's look at like descriptions of what that would be like. Huge, large, swimming around. There's numerous stories of them being um, aggressive. You know, right. in cultures across the world. You know, and yeah. yeah. Now, if you want to be like, oh, Chris, they're probably not down there. I would also like to very quickly bring up the story of the underwater submarine guy that just came out a couple of years ago that the United States government contracted to find an underwater nuclear, uh, I think it was a hydrogen bomb that was underwater. And they did this under the guise of looking for the, the Titanic when they found the Titanic was found at the exact same time as they did that. The guy finds the bomb, then a couple days later, because he had because he had the money and the time, he was just bored. He went looking for the Titanic and he found it. <laughs> like, like he actually like did the real thing that he was set out to do. But anyway, while he's down there, he reported seeing a plesiosaur. And I mean, well, you know, if you're if you want to talk about credible resources, this is a guy the United States government trusts to find a hydrogen bomb. I don't know how much more credible you get than that. And he, and he claims that he saw one underwater. Uh, that they tried finding you, I, a hydrogen bomb. I, I, no, I, I, I just, I, I kind of cringed a little bit at the idea of trusting the government. But I mean, like, like, like no, the I idea said who the government would trust. <laughs> well, I mean, the government, I, I, the government, like, has to <laughs> trust in somebody to find something that can, like, be world-ending. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. They, and, they got, you got to put it somewhat in the hands of somebody who's credible. And that guy said while he was down there, saw a plesiosaur. True story. You can look that up, by the way. Right, right. Uh, and, and well, I think and, we're talking about, but anyway, but going back to what we were talking about, the the Japanese pilot that saw the yeah the 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 underwater shadow with the large wings propelling it. What if they were fins, and what he saw was a plesiosaur, and that's what's underwater sinking boats? Yeah, very well could be. 
I mean, it could, it could easily be those fins and maybe it was lying on its back or maybe it just had them like rev back, like really far. I don't know. I mean, it, it could be a lot of things, but, but uh, I thought it was interesting. You brought up that nuclear thing. Cause that was something else. Um, the, uh, something that that's been lost out there. They actually said that we lost a lot of world war two, um, naval vessels. The U S did in that area. As well as the, um, they said the Soviets lost a nuclear submarine in that area. So, I mean, like, whenever you talk about, like, this isn't just fishing boats. And I love that every single bit of the research that I saw kept bringing up that guy, uh, what is it, uh, Kush. They kept bringing up him, and they were like, oh, well, Kush said that it was only 31 people on that scientific vessel, and that it was only, you know, fishing boats that disappeared. Okay, well, yeah, over a five-year span, but what we're talking about is going all the way back to, like, you know, like you said, early Japan. You know, like, whenever Kublai Khan, like, came out there and lost, like, 900 ships and 40,000 people, you know, 40,000 soldiers to try and invade Japan. So, I mean, like, like, as far as a history of a body of water that just seems to swallow up everything that goes near it, kind of creepy. Yeah, like, I, and I, yeah, yeah. And uh, and you're talking about you, you brought up Kush. You know, you're talking about you bring up Larry Kush. Yeah. So a little more, I'll give a little more context about that. 1974, there's a guy named Charles Berlitz. Yeah, he released his book called The Bermuda Triangle, and in that he talks a lot about these ships that go missing. A lot of the stories that we have today about the the, the boats that go missing is from uh, Berlitz's book, uh, The Bermuda Triangle, that he put out in 1974, and he talks about like a lot of those ships going missing and all of that. Like literally, like a year later, this guy Kush, you're talking about Larry Kush, puts out another thing saying, "No, you know, I'm going to debunk these and say that's not true." You know, well, but to be to be first off, to be fair, if to be fair, par- if there's if there's some sort of paranormal phenomenon going on in there, and the Japanese government's trying to keep people away from it, no, they might not be the most totally honest sources to no. be asking the you know for the best facts if they're trying to keep stuff under wraps yeah absolutely not strange bizarre phenomenon going on secondly um um burlitz wrote a second book on the dragon's triangle like solely on it yeah 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 yeah. he put that out yeah 1989 he put a book out uh called the dragon triangle and he continues to talk about more of these military vessels that just disappear yeah So so it's not like it wasn't like kush came out and said yeah, you know, it's all made up, and we're because that's where a lot of people, skeptics, bring up their point, and it's not like yeah. Charles didn't come up with, you know, a retort to a lot of these. Well, and that's one of the things that I thought was really, um, unsatisfying about the scientific explanations, is that Kush brings up, you know, hey, this area, it's been well known by fishing people that this is a rough area. You don't swim out here. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know about you, man, but if you came to my culture and you were asking me things, I probably don't want to sound like I believe in monsters. Well, like, I I think it's easy to immediately just be like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's not something the government's going to be like, oh, no, the government believes in that. The government as a whole may not believe in that, but uh, maybe all the members of the government might believe in that independently. (laughs) And, okay, so, and just... Putting some more context on this, this is going to come up a lot during these episodes. We talk about how we have to rely on government's information when it comes to missing persons, mm-hmm. and that starts getting sketchy at best. Okay, yeah. that's that's going to be a theme throughout every single one of these discussions. And 
if you don't think, well, oh, maybe we we would know by now. Um, I don't know. What about that uh, that that Malaysian flight that disappeared? If you ever look into the details surrounding all that, the sketchiness yeah. beyond that, that occurs what in the late two thousands, and nobody mm-hmm. can still agree entirely as to what happened with that. And you're gonna sit and tell me that we have all the facts from nineteen fifty to nineteen eighty? <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. No, I, I I just I don't think that we do. I think there's some there's some gray there's some gray areas in there. Absolutely, some, uh, some missing information that's going on. And I think that that's one of the biggest issues with this is that whenever you have people that are like, well, we have theories, and as far as why why is it that the Dragon's Triangle is like this? Well, we have these theories, and scientifically, yeah, they do make sense. They're good theories, but they're theories. They don't really have like definitive proof that that's what's going on. Like, did you did you uh, look up any of that stuff on um, the uh, the methane uh, ice blocks that are like what, what's it yeah, called yeah. methane carth something yeah, yeah. or whatever? And, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. It's, which which is super weird. Like apparently that there's some. And again, if Vic was here, he's way better about the science stuff than I am. I, I totally admit that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that there's weird methane pockets that affect buoyancy and literally can just it'll cause like color dis- it'll cause like color distortion on the water yep. and sink boats yeah they said that as the block of frozen methane gas basically so so as as it's in its solid form it's going to rise um as it is released from the seabed floor and they said once it reaches basically it's it's i think it's like 68 degrees fahrenheit i think maybe 18 degrees celsius i don't know it's around that range. Apparently, that's the flash point where it goes from solid to gas. And in doing so, emits a bright light flash and causes a great disturbance in the water. And they were like, and this creates a disruption in buoyancy, which means that ships just immediately sink on water. And I'm like, why is that not a known thing across the board for the rest of the world? Like, like, like if, if, if that exists, why is that not a known thing? I would never get in a boat again for the rest of my life. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like, who knows that we can go out there, methane gas gets released, and it'll just sink your boat, and you'll never be heard from again. I also find it kind of odd. That's like the most fanciest way of saying mother, mother nature farts. In the water, no, 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 boats. dragon farts, yeah, dragon, dragon farts, flash of yeah. light, yeah, bad smell, dragon fart sinks your battleship, like, yeah. like, I mean, like, like that's... farting in the ocean, seeking boats. <laughs> <laughs> Which, granted, like, I will say it'd be a very ominous thing that I wouldn't talk about if I was a, like, I was on a boat and it started to sink and the air smelled really bad. Like, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I would be. Like prompted to to share that story with a whole lot of people, but but I did think that that scientific explanation. I was like, that that's a glorious explanation, but um, there's equal ones with the issues with buoyancy because they say that the vault the underwater volcanoes boil the water and then that disrupts the buoyancy, and then that can cause the sinking of ships. They um, also have speculated that um, what was it. Well, Trying to remember what one one of them was, um, something to do with whirlpools being created due to the um, seabed disruptions will will cause whirlpools that'll just suck a ship down. And I'm like, small enough that you don't see it though, like small enough that you don't see a whirlpool. It just suddenly appears underneath your boat. Like like, 
I just I think that that's I don't know. Like again, I would I would assume people would see whirlpools constantly developing in this area if that was a thing. I don't know, man. It might, well, it might. Well, I think you I think you might be right on something like that because I think that a lot of these stories of boats disappearing, there's often no distress call. None that goes on. So you know, even if you know you got gotted by like a rogue wave, if you got guided by um a whirlpool that opens up or the dragon fart gets you by the way. <laughs> like can you imagine that like the next time you're on like a family vacation to the beach and you don't want to go in the water you're like why don't you go in the water can't dragon farts dragon farts <laughs> they're dead like, they'll, they'll get you <laughs> can't can't do that they'll, they'll, they'll affect my buoyancy god <laughs> but if people but, didn't you know, think but, i was already uh, crazy enough god. yeah but i mean no but it's it's super it's super common in so many of these stories where they just they just disappear. Like uh, there's, there's a no distress of a, call of a U.S. of a U.S. ship freighter that disappears. Uh, it was March twenty second, nineteen fifty seven. It was the USA FC ninety seven Strato freighter. Want to say that right? Disappeared while leaving Wake Islands on its way to Tokyo International Airport. Um, no, this was a plane, and uh, it was um, people were on the 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 boat no it was a yeah it was plane it was a plane i'm sorry it was plane and like it's an eight hour flight and they check in three times throughout the flight and yeah. never had any problems and then they just disappear yeah like you know i don't think any of these instances are things that wouldn't cause somebody to scream on the radio help yeah it's got to be something quick which you bringing up that that like the airplanes like like okay we can talk boats all day long. Dragon farts that disrupt the buoyancy of water, lava that shoots up random land masses and then makes them also plummet, creating vacuums that suck ships under. What does that have to do with the planes? Like, that's one of the other things about this area is like the electromagnetic disturbances that happen in these zones, particularly this zone, because like this one seems to be much more catastrophic than the Bermuda Triangle, is that. It will disrupt navigational equipment. It will disrupt compasses. It will actually destroy some electronic equipment. Won't be able to function correctly. And these things just no distress call, no mayday, no secondary. We've hit the water. We're we're on a raft. You know, like none none of that. You mm -hmm. you just get dead silence. That's it. That's all there is. And I think that that speaks a lot of this place because to be like, well, I mean. Okay, if you want to talk about methane, like frozen methane chunks that are floating up from the sea and underwater volcanic activity, and then you also want to add on electromagnetic disruption that prevents all electronics and other things operating in that same spot, I'm sorry, but where else on the planet do you encounter something that's this much of a, of a, a hazard for modern life? Now, I've never seen an underwater volcanic eruption but if it's something that's, and I wish Vic was here because he probably, because I never, I mean, I think that if there, if there is just this out of nowhere, large explosion that you probably would not see coming, that I think could sink a boat and there'd be no, and there'd be, and yeah. including a plane and there'd be no evidence for it. I, 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 if there is some sort of just natural phenomenon that does, I, I could buy a violent underwater eruption, but to be fair, that also has to be like some, some 
terrible timing. And that's a lot. I mean, and that the statistics behind that I mean they they gotta be that's a lot. Like, yeah. how much do you gotta piss in the face of God that the one time you go to investigate the missing ships that your ship lands? The one that got yes, the one the one that goes in, the one with the supposed 30, 31 scientists that went in in nine what was it, nineteen fifty-two? that went in to actually yeah. look at where these ships were going, where did they end up? It ends up parking on top of the underwater volcano that decides to just blow. Yeah, it was and, they're, and they're like, oh, well, that that's what happened to it. Do you yeah, know was, that that's yeah. what happened? Well, we're not sure, but we found the wreckage. Did you find the people? No people, no. just the wreckage. <laughs> and I was like, you don't know that. You don't, you don't know. You're, you're just guessing, man. I mean, like, like granted, it's an educated guess, but right now, so's so's you know the the uh, uh, what was the name of that dinosaur you mentioned? Plesiosaur. <laughs> yeah, that thing to me is just as much of an educated guess at this point than yeah. the uh, underwater volcano that seems to only go off when people hover over it, which to me sounds like a landmine more than a volcano. I think that we've in this episode have described like an entire list of reasons not to get in the water. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, you could be gotten by underworld of volcano explosions, <laughs> dragon farts. <laughs> um, yeah, dinosaurs. I, I, I mean, UFOs. We we can equally argue reasons not to be on land, though. Um, as far as as far as uh, the paranormal goes, but yeah, but I mean, you're a boat, and you're, and I think a lot, like if you really think about how like how dangerous the ocean is oh the yes that some people literally got in wooden boats sailing by like the stars and a company and that's it that's it mm -hmm. and you're spending some pretty far like distances is terrifying oh yeah yeah and and whenever you're looking at like that also brings into in, in my opinion the idea of um how the the triangle actually fluctuates because like okay well if it was underwater volcanoes wouldn't somebody be tracking this stuff wouldn't this be like a list like like even if you had some sort of thing that like i don't know even if you were calculating in for something like tectonic shifts tectonic plate shifts or something like that like if you were actually calculating in like you know how like the hawaiian islands it's mm -hmm. you know big volcano smaller one smaller one smaller one you know like the islands kind of drift well maybe that's because like the what's creating the the disruption you'd be able to follow it over time so if it truly is shifting we should be able to we should be able to track it if it's something that's predictable by nature we should be able to track it but unfortunately this is not something that's very predictable this is something that like whenever it comes to um like some of the stuff that, that's well argued about it. Um, I mean, the, the name, the alternate name for the dragon's triangle is the devil's sea or the sea of evil. And I mean, if you know anything about like Eastern cultures, they're not great on the idea of like messing with the dead or spirits. Like, like there's, there's a lot of taboo stuff about like, you got to respect the dead. And I mean, maybe these electromagnetic areas are like super hubs for paranormal stuff. Like maybe you're, you're getting like a mix of like, not just, you know, 
the the um, Asian version of the Loch Ness, but maybe you're getting like the Asian version of the Flying Dutchman. Maybe you're getting like I mean I've, I I saw stuff where there's even scientists who are arguing that there's dimensions or black holes that can be accessed in that area. That they're like, well, there's actually the reason why these disruptions are here all in this one spot is because it's a gateway to something. And I'm like, I don't want to find out to what. <laughs> like, like I don't know why people are wanting to research and look into that as far as like, hey, we think there's this like portal to God knows what here. Let's go looking for it. And I'm like, no, nah, that's 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 not smart because like you look at like some of the stuff that uh, people say. Um, there, there's just a lot of uh, additional, I guess I would say, like paranormal stuff that's associated with high uh, magnetic field areas. So I, I don't know. I mean, like, like, what are your thoughts on that as far as like the idea of the 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 parent paranormal hub? Like, like if it's if it's putting off that kind of energy, do you think it would mm. attract all that stuff? Like, would it attract aliens? Would it attract monsters? Would it? Would it? Well. I, th I think it's I think it's important when you're talking about these triangles and specifically the dragon triangle for to think about it, to understand how big it is. I think when it comes to these particular the, this particular phenomenon, there's something called like enumeracy that happens, which is not being very understanding of like the numbers behind it because of how big that area is. So like if you're talking mm -hmm. about like a like hundred kilometers, you know, from like point from one of the points to another point, you're talking about five thousand square miles of just surface. By yeah. the way, area, that's just surface area. Not even talking about down. And right. like just and that's just static. What's in the area? And then on top of that. You're talking about it being around a strange, bizarre, uh, like environmental phenomenon, and you know that's a lot of area. Stuff can move into that area, so I I, I think that I I don't think that it's going to be one thing that's going to be causing a lot of these disappearances. I think that it's I mean that's like asking like. What do you think causes the strange phenomenon from, you know, Indiana for I don't know, from Michigan to Tennessee? Because it all fit in that area, right? You know, and there's tons of different phenomenon that occurs like on land. So I don't think that it's going to be any different when it comes to the sea. Well, I mean, strange phenomena, yes, but the massive just vanishing phenomena like i mean granted we've found some boats but there's a lot of stuff we haven't found like yeah, there's stuff that just goes over that area space yeah well and if, that's if it's sank in an, if it's sank in an area where it's thirty-seven thousand feet deep yeah you're not gonna find it the well, titanic was one of the biggest ships in the world and we didn't find it till what the freaking 90s yeah but <laughs> we i mean yeah but they actually had a, a a vessel that was twice the size of the Titanic disappear. At least I believe that's what the records uh, yeah, indicated yeah. was twice the size of the Titanic and it disappeared um, in the Dragon's Triangle. So, I mean, like whenever we think about um, things that should be found, 
I mean, you know that whole theory that dragons have hordes? Is it just hoarding all of these? It's just, yeah, just hoarding ships and boats and just keeping them in a nice pile somewhere deep, dark, and down. It's not even necessarily like some sort of malevolent, like, or even just some sort of like great. He's, he's just a fan. He's, yeah, no, yeah, he's just got, he's just got like a dragon kid that's got boats being like, he's just a collector. Playing with them underwater. That pretty, that pretty, that maybe like all of these boats are not being sunk for some great reason. Maybe just some grown up dragon sunk them for his dragon kid. He's like, I'm going to play with that when I get home. (laughs) It's like Dragon Christmas. (laughs) He's got to go get a boat. (laughs) Just brings it all down. But I mean, Dragon Christmas now. God, imagine their Black (laughs) Friday sale. But, um, but I, I don't know. Like, 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 I think that. It, it, it brings up a lot to question because for as quick as science is trying to write it off as, well, we understand, we know what's going on there. I don't, I don't feel confident in that. Like, like the, the research that shows like, yes, there's a lot of weird phenomena that occur in this one spot. Like there's like, I, I actually ended up looking up a bunch of different stuff on just bizarre phenomena that occur all over the place and like stuff between like bubbles of gas that, that appear in marshes. And once they expel the, the water barrier, they shoot off like a rocket. Like, like there's like, and that's a known phenomena to occur. And I'm like, that'd be terrifying. You know, like, like yeah. if you were an uneducated populace at the time to modern, you know, science, that would be terrifying, but we can at least explain that away. Whereas, like the, <laughs> the some of the stories that have occurred are really hard to put down. I mean, like whenever you we're talking about UFOs, we're talking inner, you know, like large water monsters. We're just talking just straight up vanishing, no evidence, no distress calls, just gone, just just phased in, into the nothingness. And yeah, there's a lot of space out there. But you think with today's technology, I mean, can we not just drag like, like a camera on like a big cord thing down there? Like maybe we can't live down there, but we could maybe look down there. I don't know, man. It'd be it'd be even hard to find, man. If you look at like colossal squids, um, and how few photos. I think there's maybe like one, like maybe two photos yeah. that we've had of something that's seventy five. I think I'm not, and I'm just on that. That don't don't quote, don't hold me on that. Yeah, but I mean, but just we get the concept of just how little we've ever been able to. So I actually I think the answer is no. I don't. No. I don't. I really don't know if we really we, can. We probably can't. Yeah, I know. But I, you know, it's it's weird. How, I think we've been how how long we've we been going? I think we've been going about fifty minutes, haven't we? I think so. I mean, I. I uh, I believe whenever we first started, it was like two twenty something, but um, or not two twenty, one twenty something. Um, but um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. what are your what are your closing thoughts? What do you think it is? Oh, dragon I, I I go back to what I said before. I think that it's such a huge expanse that it's it's not going to be one it's not going to be one thing i i i think that it's going to be mul- it's, it could easily be multiple things that could be causing um 
a lot of these disappearances in that area. I think that's an important thing to take away from that. Um, I think it could easily be explained by cryptids, underwater submersible objects, um, just strange electronic phenomenon that's affecting just our instruments that could be causing it. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's an important thing to take away from this, that I don't think that your culprit list is going to be as short as you think that it's going to be. Uh, and now I'm going to use dragon farts as a reason why I don't want to get in the water. There you go. There you <laughs> go. I um, I would say like I- I'm with you in that I believe that it's not all one thing. It can't possibly be all one thing with with as much variance as we see from the reported cases and the issues. Um, but one thing that I I do think is maybe a, a point of interest to me is that idea of the um, um, the the vile vortices. You know, maybe whenever you have that much of an electromagnetic disruption. It just seems to draw the attention of a whole lot of stuff. Um, Maybe that causes, you know, your natural environment to change. You know, maybe that causes weak points where um, storms happen. Maybe that draws the liquid hot magma to burst out in the ocean bed floor there. I mean, I don't know. I don't don't know what would be causing it, but... uh, Going back to what we said about the Bermuda Triangle being on the opposite side of the planet, I actually just like kind of like, I don't know, I was on like a Nikola Tesla kick and and I was watching things on pyramids and stuff. And it was kind of weird to like see that his idea that the pyramids were at a certain point on the, the latitude line. And uh, it's like latitude, I think, 29 for the Great Pyramids. 25 for the Bermuda Triangle and the gold and the Dragon's Triangle. Mm-hmm. The Gold Triangle. I think that's like an opium ring. Anyway. Um <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, but but I think that, that that's a good that's a good point. Uh to to just at least toss in there as like maybe there's an electrical magnetic thing at that particular part of the planet going around. Mm-hmm. Oh man, what do you guys think? Do you guys think that there's something else that's going on that we didn't bring up today? You know, was there some other story that you guys thought that was, do you guys, was there some other story involving the Dragon Triangle that, that, that we forgot in our episode that, that, that you guys have found exciting? Let us know what you guys think. Um, if you like this episode, don't forget to leave us a like, if you're listening on YouTube, subscribe, and of course the notification bell. So that way you guys stay up to date whenever we put out new comment, uh, content. If you're listening on somewhere where you can give us a review, Please give us a review. We appreciate it. Uh, it helps us a lot. Um, and if you're on YouTube, comment, comment, comment. Uh, that's one of the best ways that you can help us too. It helps us get our, our our voice out there so we can bring more people to the podcast. We always appreciate the support that you guys give us by tuning in and, and listening to our episode. And we all wish Vic a speedy recovery. He'll be back soon. Um, uh, Frank, man, I want to I thank you, man, for coming on again. I appreciate you coming on and filling in when uh, in Vic's absence. It's always awesome to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, yeah. you know, although I wish it was not just because you know, of course, of the need of the absence, you know, because I I too want him to always be be on here uh, cranking out stories, but it's always yeah. good to be here. It's always good to to spin the yarn, so to speak. Yeah. Um. But until next time, guys, keep believing because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're gonna slide into the pillow talk segment of the podcast. If you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up. 
for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to all of our uh, the extra portions of our podcast, as well as bonus episodes that we put up specifically for our patrons. If you were $2 a month uh, more member, we actually get to vote on our poll uh, for what we're going to do for next month. And man, it is super late. I apologize, guys. It has been rough with Vic being out. I just realized that I forgot to put up our poll. And we're going to fix that today. So whenever you guys hear that, go up and uh, go. I got an idea. Frank, so I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to have, I'm going to have you, man. You're going to be the one that's going to pick what the, uh, the next thing that's going to go up. No. Let's do that. You've been on your helping out. I think that'd be fair. I put okay. up the last one. All right. So what's going to go up is Ghost Towns, Time and Space Anomaly, and Hairy Humanoids. What do you think would be a good fourth topic? I mean, me personally, I would, I would have to shoot for time and space no, no, myself. No, 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 no. I want a new fourth topic. An additional fourth topic. Yes, yeah. Sorry, I need another topic. It's time and mm. space anomalies, ghost towns, and hairy humanoids. Mm. What is a fourth topic that we can put up? Hmm. They're pretty ambiguous, so it doesn't really matter what you think. Right. I mean, sorry. I mean, it matters what you think, but I mean, it, it, they're ambiguous, and we can take them out if we want. Um. I would say, um, the idea of uh, past life, um, like the accounts, stories of people believing in past life, like, have you past ever heard of that? Stories. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Past life because, stories. Um, past lives. Yeah, because you get those like little kids, and they're all like, "I used to have a friend named Susan, and we used to ride the trolley." And then the parents are like, "You don't even know what a trolley is. What the hell are you talking about?" Like, <laughs> like I always find that stuff to be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. All right. I like that. Past lives. Boom. I got you. All right. That's gonna go up on the next, and that's gonna go up. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you, man. No, that's not a problem. All right. I, I just, I just love some more answers on that. <laughs> Good. All right, man. So. All right, we're going to keep talking a little bit more about the Dragon Triangle. Maybe these triangles is a bigger is like a bigger topic. We don't want to necessarily keep it to the Dragon Triangle. We don't want to. What what's something you don't think that we got to like in the in the episode in the episode that you want to just talk about more? Well, um so what stands out to you? The, definitely the the idea of the the vile vortices mm-hmm. is a big thing to me because the idea that the electromagnetic um signal or 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 disruption um sanderson actually believed this would draw a lot of things into that area but um like whenever you look at these hubs these these vile vortices i mean is it possible that these things exist on a smaller scale and then that's where we see other things happening Mm -hmm. or is it that we're creating these hubs to try and explain the phenomena like you know are, are we just looking at these particular locations and we're seeing something there because we want to see something there like are, are we limiting our scope you know or i guess narrowing our scope so tight that we're it's because we're hunting for it you know like for example one of the vile vortices is the the the, the north pole right and how much craziness have we heard about all the governments trying to go up there? Like you've got the United States government, you got the Chinese government, you got Russian government, you got all of them up there 
trying to dig up something in the North Pole. Because they're like, oh, because something supernatural lives up there. And it's not Santa Claus. Or no, maybe it is. No, no. Well, I mean, if, you to, if you go to the South Pole, it's probably Nazis. But, you know. Or <laughs> that, 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 I've also heard that theory that, like, lizard people live at the South Pole or under it. And I'm all like, first off, they're cold-blooded. How does that work? Yeah. But, um, but like, with that idea of, like, we create these hubs that we think weird stuff happens in. Mm-hmm. Do you believe like, like people jump on it because they're like, Oh man, this is a, this is a definite thing. Or are they jumping on it because they're willing to buy to anything that feeds their narrative, you know, like, like, like feeds their, yeah, I, their, I their school. Yeah. No. Okay. So I think that, I think that answer is two. It has a couple parts. I think one that I think people, 